Welcome to episode 26 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And today, David and I will be discussing... We'll get them, put my teeth in, David. Disgusting. Disgusting. Now, we will be discussing the <laughs> skill of pricing your books in the current market, which is a key component that we both feel so many indie authors tend to get wrong. Uh, as always, we have another very interesting mailbag question to tackle. Um, and then later in the show, we will be joined by the fascinating indie author, Jane Buckley, as she tries, well, try, she will be answering our seven <laughs> questions. But David, you think I'd be smoother at this, considering this is half a year of podcasts. This is yeah, episode 26. 26. So wow. um, I guess for the 26th time, we will ask, how's your week been? <laughs> Um, at least you got that out. You got that question out, right? There you go. Um, it's been good ups and downs. Another sickness in the family, of course, uh, which is Aww. just part and parcel of having a toddler in the house. Um, so I've been, what have I been doing? I've been working on my redrafts for this um, novella, which is coming out uh, early May. It's yes. all up for pre-order and um, I've done all the teasing my teasing campaign, showing off, uh, teasing the cover and then showing off the cover and then teasing blurbs and then showing off the blurb. So all of that sort of has been done over this week or the past 10 days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the Easter holidays as well. So we've had Lola home, hence the um, the sickness and the, the chesty cough from the throat, bad throat. But um, I, I've managed to get some time with my manuscript to just sort of redraft, and it's it's easy redrafting. Well, I find it easy, mm-hmm. much easier than than arriving at a blank page. And so it's been a semi-productive week, I guess. My sales are holding steady. They're not fantastic. They're not the best they've ever been. They're not slow. They're just a bit meh. I'm sort of bringing back about 1.8 times my spend. I, I prefer it to be higher. That's still really good. It's still decent. Yeah, yeah, it's still okay. And um, anything else? Oh, we've had uh, um, the Alex Ferguson biography. We've had an offer from a small production company right. who want to take it to market. And by market, that means they want to sort of pitch it at festivals and stuff like this to get budget for it, to make it. So I'm sitting down with those. I'm sitting down with those in mid may so another three weeks i'll be sitting down with those okay. and we'll uh, I'll, I'll have some news and I'll, I'll update but that's that's moving slowly i guess as i sort of expected it to it's annoying slash interesting at the same time this whole uh tv script business and um, i believe i believe it's been moving for 26 weeks <laughs> 26 weeks it was last october yeah is that when we started the podcast october yeah, yes pretty much. that was when we got the first interest yeah last october from um a big big production company they still have it they still haven't got back to me but it, goes, it still goes it just goes to show how long some of these things take yeah and and how you have to steer the course and how you have to just stay focused because that's six months yeah that you've probably been going back and forth and speaking to other people. And a lot of people would, you know, just go, I'm tired of this now. Yeah. But you're still going. You're still updating us on a weekly basis. Still updating. Yeah. Yeah. Still updating very little, to be honest. But yeah, it, it's mm. updating. And it, I mean, it's moving. It just, I'm so glad I have my books. My wife originally wanted me to just write TV screenplays and scripts and stuff like that. But it's such mm. a. It doesn't. You could be the best screenplay writer in the world, and you're not guaranteed anything. So it's 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 a bit of a lottery. So it's it's not a it's in no way a guaranteed uh, career, really. Hmm. Um, but I'll keep you updated. I'll keep the podcast listeners updated as we go. Um, hopefully we have. I've had a couple of breakthroughs because we definitely have a couple of production companies interested. But I'm certain, or I'm hopeful that there will be a breakthrough in the next three weeks or so when, when I meet with them. So fingers crossed for that. Um, Easter in it's Easter in my house. Has it been Easter in your house this week? 
Yes, I oh, think so it's that's been Easter everywhere. everywhere. Oh, okay. I still don't get it. I still don't get it. <laughs> I still don't get Easter. It's about a bunny that poops up chocolate eggs. That's fine um, by me. So you've had um, Sophie and Olivia home this week? Yes. Um, so we, we went and visited my dad over Easter weekend, which is nice. He lives up in Lower Stoft. Right. Um, and then we've just started like a home renovation project like little little jobs we're doing around the cool. house so i was you know the rock and roll life of a of a full-time author i was out <laughs> in the garden digging up paving stones but i do get the job of going to buy a sledgehammer and smashing them up which would be quite fun so well that um, could drive a little plot twist <laughs> exactly i could find a body i hope <laughs> i don't um but but from a uh book perspective if sales of sales are going well we'll get into actually sales are going well at the moment and there's a reason for that and we'll get into that in the pricing discussion point later um one thing i have done is inspired by our talk about amazon ads a couple of weeks ago david i thought you know i'm going to change tact on amazon ads i'm going to get aggressive with it because i think you know we've said everyone who is up in that higher echelon of indie author center they're all over amazon and they've got it down pat so i was thinking like you know i've got amazon ads that are ticking over there's stuff i'm not doing there's stuff i'm not recalibrating so what i did is i went through all my ads and i have a number of ads which you know Mm -hmm. and i turned off all the white things that weren't generating either clicks or weren't generating clicks to sales okay and the ones that were i turned the budget up right i got aggressive I got aggressive with it. Um, probably not the best idea because I turned it up on some of the bigger name authors where maybe I'd just scratched the surface, but then because I was now being an aggressive bidder, yeah, I was getting clicks that probably I shouldn't, weren't the target audience because these people were oh, so okay. big, so mainstream that maybe they're, they're drawing in people who maybe are only there because they know the author. Yeah, it's such a diluted feel to that, isn't it? Yeah, Like a Lee Child. You know, yeah, I know people who read Lee Child who don't even like action because they they know Lee Child is very popular. I've exactly. also tried sponsored um, display ads that go across mm-hmm. the top of the page. Never done them before. So if you go on like a somebody's book page, you have like an ad across the top where it says yeah. like name of a book. Did that set up a couple of those, and um, one of them I did specifically on authors that I know, and that's actually going okay. Oh, good. I did one where you can do those ads on categories. So you yeah. can pick categories, book categories. So you could do thriller. I did like military thriller, vigilante thriller. Oh, like, oh yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. Spent my Amazon budget like that. Wow. <laughs> and I stuck like a hundred pounds on it. And I burnt through a hundred pounds and I think I got two sales. It's like, right, turn that off because that's too aggressive. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, I now know that. So I've got one of them working sl- Great. it's breaking even at the moment it's only been going for a couple of weeks so again it needs a lot longer to to give any uh, proper data yeah but um <clears throat> yeah so i've just and i'm also i'm waiting for some lock screen ads to come live in america because i'm going to try them as well because i've never tried them so great so you've um, been inspired by the last couple of podcasts that we've done yeah just from us chatting like what's the yeah. one you said um oh i've paid to go into Ingram Sparks magazine next month. Oh, interesting. Nice. See if you can get for the, stuck only in for some the stores. First book. Yeah. Only for the first book of, of Sam Pope, um, which again, it's $150. Yeah. Um, but I've never done anything on Ingram. And I, again, you know, I've got nearly a 12 book series that, you know, sells well online, could sell well in shops. Who knows? Well, so, it's interesting with you, different to me because you write in series. So if, if there's a bookstore out in Boston, or something that you know takes in your first book and they say say they take 12 copies from seeing this in the magazine and they go oh that that sold pretty quick this robert enright guy you have you have so many books that they can go okay we got to find room on our shelves for this guy i mean that that yeah. conceivably could happen to you i could be big in boston you could be big in boston uh, but yeah so like i said a very interesting week um but i'm looking forward to getting back into writing next week to So, Robert, you hinted at it at the top of the show there as you were stumbling over your words that mm. um, today's main talking point is pricing, how we price our books. Now, this sounds like it shouldn't be that trivial, but it kind of is trivial. And it's something it's we, a key part. It is a key part, especially if, you, if you're trying to run a business. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it is something with that we, we have noticed a lot of in the orders get wrong. Yeah. And I think it's also one of those ones that people just think, well, I'll, I'll lock in a price and that's it. There, there's, there's, there's a fair bit you can do with pricing to, to, I guess, get the most out of you know, writing a book. Yes. <laughs> ultimately, you write a book and you put it on Amazon, you want to sell it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, when you think of it, if you spend three or four months writing a book and all the editing you've paid for and the book cover and you finally get it published, to get the pricing wrong at that point uh, and then to not really bother about it thereafter mm. is is fatal. It can be fatal to the success or the, the lack of success of that book. Yeah, and I think there's there's a load of factors you need to take into consideration when you're going to price your book. Yeah. So, I mean, we bang the drum all the time, David, about everything needs to look professional. Like You need to look indistinguishable from people who are published by well, i don't know why i'm doing that <laughs> but people who are this is an audio medium you can't see me doing my quotation marks um, but but from published authors from the massive publishers you need to look indistinguishable from them um, absolutely yeah like that's oh uh, yeah we've banged that drum before that's the editing that's the cover design that's the branding everything yeah i mean so we're not going to go through all of that in in detail but you need to bring that into consideration when you're pricing your book you do. And put yourself in the in the customer's shoes. Yeah. Of if you saw something that clearly looks homemade. And we see it all the time. I, we see that all the time. We do. I've been guilty of that when I've started out. Yeah. When I look back now, when I look back now and look at um, some of the covers and some of the. Yeah, you had your friends design out. your first cover, right? You've mentioned on the podcast before. I did. And, yeah. and you know what? They did, a, they did a job. Yeah. But the second I could, the second I was able to. I I rebranded them, yeah, because I thought that's just going to hold me back. Um, so I think there's there's loads of those things that come into consideration. I don't think people think, but I think people think, right, I've got a book, bang, I'm going to stick it up there, yeah, you know, for for ninety nine p one ninety nine, and it's just going to sell. But there's there's so many mitigating things to it. So many elements, so many elements. Myself and Robert, you will know from listening to the podcast, are very very proud independent authors. But the last thing we want to do is scream we are an independent author to mm-hmm. the purchaser to the potential reader there's no need for them to even know that we're an independent author there, there should be no difference between them visiting the amazon sales page of our books to them visiting the amazon sales page of a book by gillian flynn or michael Connolly or any big multi-million pound seller right so we're proud to be in the authors but we don't have to slap the potential reader in the face by letting them know we're in the authors by by cheapening the novels we have written, especially with the uh, the you know the misconception people have that an indie author means you're not good enough to be published. Yes, exactly. That's still and that, that yeah. still exists. That still exists. It does among readers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I mean, we, as I said, there you got like the cover, the blood, David. I mean, there's a cover. There's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation, isn't there? With like. You know, how much social proof does your book have? Like, how many reviews does it have? Makes a difference, huge difference. And you can't you can't get reviews unless you're selling a book. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's there's that whole thing. But reviews will come. But again, if put into perspective here, if you launched a book, if somebody launched a book now in action thriller genre, mm-hmm. and it was next to mine, I'm going to use me as an example. Yeah. Um, not as a flex, just as an example. Of where and my cover professionally done. You've seen my branding. We've been over this. And my first book has over 3,000 reviews now. Oh, great. Well done. It went mad this week, but it does. Yeah. But then there's another cover next to it. Similar title. I don't know, like the War Man or whatever. Similar thing, like a, a man, but the cover looks homemade. Like it's a silhouette of somebody walking away from a bit burning car or something. Wrong fonts. And it, yeah, yeah. And it's got four reviews, but it's <laughs> the same price. Yeah immediately my book's going to look more premium absolutely that's gonna that is the thing you've you've got that small split second to pull people in so when you're pricing your books again it's one of those things that i've gone through amazon i'm thinking what am i going to read next and i've seen something and the first and i see a price it's like 6.99 for an ebook and i immediately go absolutely not mm-hmm. but, but that's just me as a customer so you need to think like a customer when you're you're putting it out then yes. there's so many things to consider um 
And obviously, we have a time frame for how long we talk about this, David. So instead of us trying to break down all these elements like we're experts because we're not, mm-hmm. what I'm going to ask you, how do you price your books? What do you consider and when you're pricing them? And like, what's your mindset when pricing them? Well, it's interesting. Um, you and I having this discussion, which I guess... Most of the discussions you and I have are interesting for listeners to um, to be a fly on the wall for because I write in standalones and you write in series. Yes. And although we agree on so many things when it comes to this in the author career, there are simply areas where we have to disagree and we have to take uh, different approaches. Uh, mm-hmm. because of the genres we write in, because you write in series and I write in standalones, we still need to do the episode on standalones versus um, series. We, we, uh, we will. We, we have note of it. Uh, we'll get there. So it makes sense for somebody like you to use what we, Robert and I, have just labeled this week, the ladder pricing mm-hmm. strategy. And we, we'll go into that in detail now when, when Robert talks about his pricing. But because my books are all standalones and you're not reading one to buy the other, or to follow on, uh, and a bit like my favorite authors, so a, a Gillian Flynn or a Harlan Coburn, people like that who write standalones, I feel that because of the things you've already mentioned, Robert, I have got really good covers. I've got really good mm-hmm. branding. I've, my marketing is clever. My um, blurb reads fairly well. And because I've got that social proof that Robert says when he's talking about the chicken and the egg, my books have thousands of reviews as well. So I feel confident that my package, everything I put together, my book, can stand alongside a Harlan Coben when somebody goes to Amazon to buy books. So I feel absolutely at ease pricing my books at £5.99 per ebook or eleven ninety nine per paperback. Can I ask you a quick question? Uh-huh. Not to, not to interrupt your train of thought, not but at, at what point, what point then did you you start raising the price of your book because you didn't start off then. And like you said, you, you're a really interesting case and it's, it's so different to mine. Like I approached this because like I said, you kind of hit it out the gate with Betsy Blake when you went indie. Yeah. But at what point that like, you weren't five ninety nine with Betsy Blake? No, because it, it started with zero reviews, of course. Yeah, exactly. So at what, what stages did you go up from like, okay. And I don't just mean review wise, but I mean sort of like, yeah more books wise your brand building like your readership brand because you're not just going to go okay cool i sold like a thousand out the book bat i'm going to stick it up by a couple of quid because that would have killed the momentum so how did you approach that um that's a great question i had been burnt by my publisher so i was originally traditionally published by a sort of what i would label sort of a medium-sized publisher who sell millions of books and they do really well unfortunately their authors don't tend to do very well and I was one of those. And they were selling the books at 99p. And when I sort of realized that the Amazon structure meant that if selling a book at 99p meant I, the publisher would be getting 30% while Amazon would keep 70%. And then of that 30% the publisher gets, they're only giving me 40% of that while they keep 60%. So I think it's something like 12 or 13p per sale of book was going into my pocket yeah. before tax. Mm-hmm. So... um because I had learned that harsh lesson through them, I knew I didn't want to go in at that price. Even if I was trying to entice readers into this new author, this new guy who's going to deliver them some um, interesting mystery suspense standalones. I knew that I wasn't going to make money if every sale of a book was going to be 30p into my pocket. So I actually went high pretty early on. I I didn't want to do one ninety nine, and I was thinking about doing two ninety nine. Only I had been listening to some podcasts on in the author in the authoring, and somewhere along the line, I'm not quite sure where I learned this, but I did learn that two ninety nine is not the best price for some reason. It's right. between, I think it was to do with the purchaser, the potential reader doesn't really distinguish between three ninety nine and two ninety nine. Right. Um, whereas, so you're better off going three ninety nine and and taking, I think, which is about two pound eighty per sale of a book into my pocket. Is that two seventy six? Is that what it is? Yes, yes. So, I had started, I think, at two ninety nine, then realised that wasn't the best price. I went to three ninety nine, and for some mm-hmm. reason, 
and um, because I'm a, a, the guy who preaches test, 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 I ended up at three seventy nine. Okay, because That's interesting. yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. It's almost like you're undercutting other books just ever so slightly. Yeah, yeah, the tree. I'm undercutting the three ninety nine, but for some reason, because of my test, test, testing, it was the three seventy nine that was bringing me most profit. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. And I sort of left them all at 379 up until about six weeks ago. Okay. So relatively recently, you've really rocketed them up. I rocketed them up because we had, again, I'm learning from this podcast all the time. Um, We had a wonderful guest on called Jean Granger. Granger. And she opened my eyes to pricing a little bit. And she only briefly mentioned it, I think, through her seven questions answers. And, you know, I I went around and I said, right, if I am aligning myself with Mm -hmm. Jodie Picoult and Harlan Coburn and Leanne Moriarty, these big hitters in my genre, I thought, you know, fuck it. I'm going to price my books how they price their books. So I'm at $5.99 now per ebook. I am selling less than I was selling at $3.79, but I am making more profit. Okay. Um, But I'm now at a crossroads where I'm thinking – Okay, if I'm getting an extra thirty pounds per day, um, pricing at five ninety nine, is that more valuable to me than selling an extra twenty copies or having an extra twenty readers? Do you know what I mean? Because that is interesting for you. Yeah, it's a nice a similar thing. Because for me, there's a very stark difference between I'd rather get thirty more readers, yeah, than th- buying the first book. Then the more thirty profit. pounds yeah. extra, because if I get thirty readers in on the first book, fingers crossed, I'm going to get them through the whole book, and that's going to equate to a, you know four five hundred pounds. Yeah, but you've worked out that you have like a there's a sixty percent chance that they're going to buy the next book or something, right? So you're well, it's, yeah, yeah, something like there's yeah, an eighty percent chance that they'll go that through. They carry on, yeah, yeah. So um, so one book isn't just valued at that for you, whereas all of my books pretty much end with a full stop. Yeah. There's no tease into a new book. There's no, you know, there's not, there is no carry on. I'm not writing in series. Uh, I am considering uh, a shift in that. And, and, and I want to mm. talk our readers through that as I go through that process in my mind over the next few weeks. But um, yeah, so because I think I'm writing good standalones that look good and have great social proof, I feel justified in selling them at five ninety nine. It's something that's constantly on my mind now, especially since we had gene on the show and i sort of woke myself up from the laziness of pricing everything at 379 and i uh yeah i'm keeping an eye on it i just feel that i i have i'm against the whole idea of giving away free books i am i you'll probably oh a lost lady yeah yeah it's just it doesn't sit right in me. And some of the courses I did when I was starting my indie publishing career, they were all like, oh, you know, give your books away for free and get readership. And I understand collating email addresses to get an email list, and then you can sell books that you write in the future to them. I, I'm i just slightly against it because, as we said earlier on, uh, about the indie publishing journey or the community – I think it cheapens the whole yeah. branding of, or the whole idea, the ideology of indie publishing. If we're just, if everyone's deciding, let's give, let's give things away for free. Yeah, I also agree with ninety nine p books. I think you should only have a book at ninety nine p if it's uh, on a Kindle countdown deal. That's yes. my honest opinion. Oh, well, I, I agree with I... you too. I know there are there are authors in this that will disagree with us, mm-hmm. um, but that is my opinion. I think we need as a community. Um, we we need to start putting value on the works. And the the way you put the value on is through the pricing. But the only way you get to the pricing is, like David was saying there, you have to test stuff. You have to go through. You have to make sure all those ducks are in a row. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, if you don't value your work and you don't value your books, readers aren't. (laughs) If you you make out, you know, if you cheap out on your cover, you cheap out on your editing, you put it up for cheap, People are going to think it's cheap. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the bottom line. That's what it's. That's the vibe it's given off. Exactly, and um, I do feel just to to carry on that point that you're making that I feel if if somebody buys my book for five ninety nine, they're reading it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Whereas if they, if they download it for free or they take a chance at ninety nine p, that's probably put in the back of their queue. Yeah, 
uh, Absolutely. Books. So, yeah, I'm different to you in the sense that I'm writing the standalone. So mm-hmm. in series, I'd be so tempted to do what you do, which makes total sense having a ladder strategy. So can you talk our listeners through how you price your books, Robert? Yeah. So I, I've seen people do a ladder strategy a lot more um, in depth than I do. Okay. Um, so what the ladder strategy is, is you start off with a, a lower price and then it for, escalates for one. up. Yeah. Yeah. So book one's at one price. You can have a couple more. Then maybe book two goes up by a pound. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple of books there at um, a, you know, one pound more than the first book. And then if you've got like, say you've got 10 books in a series, books two to five are two ninety nine. Yeah. But then books six, six to eight are three ninety nine. Yeah. And then books nine onwards of four ninety nine. Yeah. Because the idea there is is once you've got people in, they're gonna spend whatever. Makes total sense. If they've if they've invested in seven books in the series, they're not gonna go, Oh, the next one's a pound more expensive. Ex- exactly. <laughs> they're already invested. Um, yeah. I I actually don't go too far into it. I, I have one rung on my ladder. Okay. I have my first book, The Night Shift, is one ninety nine. Then everything else in the series is three ninety nine. So it's a step ladder. It's just, yeah, it's just one step up. Everything yeah. else is three ninety nine. I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've dabbled with the idea now. I think like you know, I'm getting up to book twelve will be out this year. Book eleven's out in a few weeks. Book twelve will be out later this year. Maybe, maybe now that I'm in double figures, I could probably ramp those ones at the end up yeah, but surely quid. you're not going to lose sales of book 10 is 4.99 exactly i think if you're gonna if you're gonna be buying book 10 you'd pay a bit more so i, I yeah. might do it again it's something i have to test it's something i have to test and we'll get on to that in in a, in a minute of a bit of a test that i've done recently um one thing i also do is i have i have two novellas that i give away for free i actually have three novellas i have one in another series as well all oh, right um but I give them away for free if people sign up yeah. to my mailing list. However, I put them on Amazon at one ninety nine each. So, you know, they're like a third of the first book, but they're the same price as the first book. Right. That's interesting. But people okay. can buy it. So when I say to them at the end, hey, sign up. You've read the first book. All my marketing goes to the first book. We know this. You read through that. The first thing you're presented with is, hey, if you sign up here, you can get these two free novellas. Save yourself four quid. Yeah, and if you're already in, you're in, and then you've suddenly got two more free books. You've fallen in love with the character. You're in for life on the books now. Yeah, same with my box sets. I have they're a ladder invested. system on my box sets because right. my first three books, if you were to buy them individually, would cost you ten pounds, right. four pound, four pound, two pound. So my box, my first box set is seven ninety nine. Okay. So you can still save a couple of quid by getting the box set. And then it's the same with my other box sets. They're, they're nine ninety nine because that's the most you can put a box set at on Kindle. Yeah, that really annoys me. I would rather I, price mine higher. Yeah. Um, especially when in the US, they're saving $5. Yeah. <laughs> you Americans. <laughs> um, but again, it, 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 but the pricing is there. And, you know, I even market that in, in my back of my books on my website. Save yourself a bit of money and buy the box set. Great, yeah. Because it makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I alluded to it then, David, just a minute ago, that I did a bit of testing. So like you, I was inspired by Jean when she was speaking to me. And she, you know, she just said, if you're selling books at three ninety nine, you'll sell books at four ninety nine. Oh, okay, right. That was her advice to me. So That's I was like, okay, cool. That's but exactly the made... information I'd been given when I was pricing mine at two ninety nine. No, well, that's three ninety nine makes I, no difference. Yeah, you know, I, start, I started off. I started off with my books at one ninety nine up to two ninety nine, and then I raised them all to three ninety nine. Not a hit, nothing at all. Oh, interesting. So what I did is I I bumped Night Shift up to two ninety nine, and I bumped everything else in the series up to four ninety nine. So Night Shift is book one, but yeah, Night yeah. Shift. So book one went from one ninety nine to two ninety nine. Everything else went to four ninety nine. I had a couple of comments on my Facebook ads from someone saying, oh, it looks great, but I'm not paying that for the series. Because ah. if you think about it, it's, you know, I'm 10 books. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's quite a lot of money. Yeah, you're investing 50 or 60 quid then by the time you buy them all, yeah. So I, I get that. I did say to them, you could just sign up for Kindle Unlimited. They're all on there. Um, if, if, if price is a problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so what I did is I did that and I let it go for 40 days. So I made a note of when I changed the prices and they were all confirmed. And then what I did is after 40 days, 
it painstakingly and people think i'm a nerd or i should get a life whatever i i noted down the sales the page reads and the royalties for every day over that 40 day period wow get a life rob and, yeah exactly <laughs> get a life you nerd but um this is how you run a business i also did it for the 40 days leading up to the price oh switch. brilliant right okay oh this so would be I interesting so I had what was it over um, the forty days when they were at one ninety nine and three ninety nine, and what were they at at um, two ninety nine and four ninety nine? Now bear in mind at that point at the end of the forty days leading up to the price rate uh, where I raised the price, I launched a book. Right. So the higher price point had all the days with another book in the series, whereas the forty days leading up to it didn't. And I also had a book bub in that 40 day with the higher price point. Right. So my sales would be, you know, would be more skewed on a couple of days. So I took those out. I took the book bub out because that, that, that's an anomaly. I can't yeah. really get an average when I have like hundreds in one day. Yeah. But I kept that 10th um, book of the series in for the 40 days with a higher price point. So, on average, so then what I did is I noted all down and I took an average of what was I selling on average per day, how many page reads on average per day, how many royalties on average per day. And at $3.99, <clears throat> with one less book for the majority of that 40 days, I was selling, I think on average, about 28 more books than I was at a higher price point. Oh, right. That is so very interesting. Average, I sell, I'd say on average, I sell anywhere between 50 to 70 books a day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a bit higher, sometimes a bit lower. But on average, it's, it's around, it'll be in that number. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that. But on average, that went down to like about 30. All oh, right. But again, like you said, it's a higher, you know, I'm getting more of a profit. But yeah, my really page reads also went down a little bit when I was at a higher price point. Mm-hmm. I was getting about, on average, 5,000 more page reads. Now, that's interesting because I've always been mm. told that the higher price of your book, the more likely you are to get page reads. People think they're getting value for the money, you see. But then also, on average, I was making about 20 quid more at a lower price point per day. Right. And I took into account that actually the higher price point's got another book in it and I'm still making more money on the previous prices. Yeah. So I, what I did is I lowered them all back down. It right. took a couple, so that was a couple of weeks ago now that I've lowered them back down. Took about a week where it stayed roughly the same as it was when it was at a higher price point, and now it's gone straight back up. Great to where it was before, and with that extra book at the lower price point, I now had my my best ever day without a promotion. Nice. So again, it's not a flex. It's not a boast. None of that. The I, the whole point of this thing here, I'm telling you, is I, I did the test. Great you know, testing. I, I made, you know, this is where we talk about. David says it all the time. And, you know, and I've made it quite clear that you need to understand numbers. And you need to analyze the data that you can at least access. There's data we don't have. There's data we do have. Yeah. And you can use that data to make, you know, smart and sensible decisions. Because the idea to me is I've got 10 books. So yes, raise the price. They look great. The branding's great. The social proof's there. I did that, and I actually left money on the table. Right. So, again, it's one of those things. We're completely in control of the pricing because yep. we're our own bosses. Yeah. We can test it. You know, If you think, oh, actually, I'm selling at $1.99. I'm selling 20 books a day. I've got four books in the series. They look good. Just try it with two ninety nine. Mm -hmm. You never know. Yeah, and then suddenly you're making eighty p more per sale. And if you're selling twenty a day, doing that's an extra like sixteen quid a day. Yeah, so it's worth doing. But yeah, yeah I just wanted to share that testing is um, key. No, that's great. That's a great example of testing. It's really and, yeah. and again, you give it some time. You didn't just change it for forty eight hours and see what would happen. No, and um, testing you really steer the course. Yeah, testing is about staying staying the course so we've described how we sort of price our books and it makes sense um mm -hmm. from both of our point of views that that's what we're doing but let's just give our listeners some tips on on how to consider how they should price their books so like me if you're writing standalones you've, you've got to really consider the value of your books so do they sit alongside guys who are selling millions of books that you can think right i can price it this way or are you like Robert, you're writing in series, so you could use a step ladder or a ladder 
uh, to price your books, bring them in cheap and, and sort of slightly higher the books as they go along the series. So firstly, consider your competition, right? So mm-hmm. what genre of books are you writing in? Who do you align to? Who's in your alter boss? What authors are you aligning to? Um, Great advice. So can you look at it and say, right, I write books like Cecilia Hearn. I like sort of romantic, slightly comedic, charming, character-driven novels. And Cecilia is selling her books at four ninety nine. I don't quite have the social proof she has or the big branding name she has, so I'm going to price mine at three ninety nine, mm-hmm. or whatever genre you're in. So to look at your comparative authors and find out where you could fit comfortably in your pricing. So research the industry, research your genre, research your comparative authors, and of course, like Robert and I have done, test, keep testing yeah. to see what price brings you the most profit. So consider your royalties and think, right, I want to sell my books at this price because it brings me in £2.75 every time I sell a book. And I know that. Mm-hmm. And I'm comfortable with that. That that can really help you consider where you should be pricing your books. David, it's time for the mailbag. Nice. Um, and this week... Um, our question has been sent in via Facebook from B. Scott Hoadley. Um, and B. Scott uh, says, KDP allows you to release your books across many different markets. However, my target for my books at present are the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Is there any benefit in listing your books in the other markets if you're not prepared to A, market them, market them there, or B, translate them for those markets? I also wouldn't be putting any advertising spend into those markets either. What's your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Um, well, my initial thoughts are to say, why not? Why, yeah. why wouldn't you put them um, in all these different markets when it's under the one um, umbrella? Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not going to be spinning any extra plates, um, B. Scott, from having your books in these more foreign markets once they're all via KDP or Amazon. So, yeah, make your books uh, available wherever you can. Go as wide as you can uh, through KDP while it's all under that one roof. There is absolutely no downsides to it. Um, And I bet you at the very least, B. Scott, that uh, if you have your books in these other markets, it will buy you a lunch every month at the very least. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's, absolutely. That's a free launch on the foreign markets. Um, yeah. So if you are asking, should you go wide with all these different retailers? I would say, well, hold on, because you're going to be spinning so many plates. But mm-hmm. because you're only going to be seeing it, spinning the one plate through KDP, it's, there's no downsides to having your books in these markets. No, I 100% agree with David on this one. Um it just makes zero sense to remove your books from a marketplace that Amazon are going to put up there for you, um, especially if you're exclusive to Amazon. Because remember, like there's, Amazon only goes to like 15 countries. Mm-hmm. You think of how many countries there are in the world. Yeah, like we, We've already cut out so many of them. So to, to then willingly do it more within the chosen marketplace you've picked to be exclusive to, that doesn't make sense. Like David says, you know, my main owner is in the UK. My second main owner is in the US. But then, yeah, money trickles in from the other the other territories as well. So um, it makes little sense to limit your reach when you've already limited it by being exclusive to Amazon. To Robert, this um, podcast is flying in. We're already at the seven questions, and we have a mm-hmm. great great guest uh, lined up to tackle these questions um from Derry, but joining us from cyprus today for some reason the amazing author of the stones corner tetralogy am i right in saying that i am yeah brilliant hello readers or listeners it's jane buckley jane thanks so much you're taking time out your holiday to join us today listen you're a writer you're never on holiday (laughs) (laughs) that's true the mind doesn't rest you're watching people you're thinking you never ever stop yeah yes that's so true well we're very grateful that you've given us the times and you're enjoying your holiday yeah 
No, it's just, listen, Blue Sky, it's just such a tonic. Mm. It's amazing. It is. I'm staring at a grey sky. I know. Above, <laughs> above Birmingham at the moment, uh, but on holiday in a couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to Good. that. Good. Um, Jane, I heard you've recently become a fan of the show. I Oh, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, it, it just purely by chance, but I, I could, I've been listening to as many of the um, sessions you guys have done, and every five or so minutes, I'm going, yep, 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 that's happened to me, yep, that's happened to me. And it's just, overall, I'm not just saying this, it's been so reassuring. Oh, lovely. Totally that's nice. reassuring. I mean, I'm talking to Joe, my husband, I'm saying, you know, I'm doing the right things, you know, yep, yep, yep. I mean, Brilliant. You have got, I am now your number one fan. Oh, well, we're big fans of you, Jane. We really appreciate you um, taking a half an hour of your holiday to join us this morning. I did say that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip off my words again, the Stones Corner Tetralogy yes. you have written. Um, yes. These are books based in Northern Ireland in the 1970s, right? Well, the first book um, sets off in 1972, which would would have been just after Bloody Sunday. And the final book, so it goes from Stone's Corner, Volume 1, Turmoil. Then we have Darkness. Then we have Light. And then we have Hope. So Mm. it's going through the 30-year period of the Troubles. Um, It's a... I don't know if there is such a, the term is factional. It is a fictional story based around true events. Great. So, yeah. um, and I'm working on this, the final uh, volume. I actually started off thinking I'd write one book, mm-hmm. but then uh-huh. it just sort of evolved into four. And um, it's been just surreal. It's been amazing. They, 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 they look amazing and great premise and a fantastic, fascinating setting, uh, Jane, to, to set uh, fictional tales. Um, so Stone's Corner, volume one is called Turmoil. Check out Jane on Amazon. We are now about to introduce you to the seven questions. Are you ready? I am. Abs- I've got my notes. I'm all here. Just nice. tell me to be quiet if I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wouldn't dare. Never. <laughs> um, I will kick things off with question number one, Jane. Um, and that is question number one is, are you a full time author? Indeed, I am. I um, started writing only in 2017, um, before COVID, put the book in a drawer like many. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with COVID, you know, I painted the garden fence. I'd done everything that everyone had done and I decided to bring the book back. And um, since then I have been, I actually set myself up as a company. It's called Dairy Girl E, Dairy Girl, you know, oh, using the right. So, um, and I, my background is actually sales and marketing. I worked for American Express, Express for many years. So okay. you know, I've taken this as a business. It's set up as a limited company. My products um, are my books. So this is my, this is my, my life. This is my career. Congratulations. That's yeah. fantastic. I am, um, I actually set myself up as a limited company this past week with my accountant. Now it's into a new financial year. Yeah. So it's very exciting. But yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. on being a full-time author as well. Yeah. And your sure. success so far. It's great, Jane. Thank you. But as we all know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough journey and a long one. Yes, and, and it doesn't stop. No. It doesn't stop. No. Yeah. <laughs> you, you yep. Continuously have to be turned on. Um, so that brings us to question two then, Jane. Have you decided to go wide or exclusive with KDP for your ebooks? At the moment, I am exclusive. Um, reason being is because um, I haven't delved too deep into the Amazon offerings because, quite frankly, over the last two years, I've been writing three of the books. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they are, yeah, they, they're hefty old books. They're um, about 145,000 words, Ooh, 435 pages. Yeah. So um, I just really wanted to get the books complete, the four complete. And then I have got, God willing, you know, time to really focus on on um, on promoting them and getting them you know looking deep into the face the Amazon ads yeah. and such like so yeah but I have had a tough time with Amazon but we can talk about that about uh, as a frustration later on oh nice <laughs> for, for a further question <laughs> yeah <laughs> a nice hook there yeah. um, so uh, well question number three Jane we're going to get a bit more under the hood of uh, the decisions you've made in your indie author career now um, so question number three is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without 
Um, one thing I've, you know, as I say, perhaps he wouldn't call himself a service, but my husband. I think mm-hmm. we've all got partners that really do keep us motivated, keep us going, tell us the truth when we need to hear the truth, hopefully in the right way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think don't think we could do this without them believing in you, and that gives you what you really do need um, a lot of. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I'm not particularly savvy on um, the IT in terms of formatting books. I think you've mentioned in your podcast, guys, something called Velma, which is it Velma? Yeah, Velma. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's a formatter. Me. Yeah. It's so rude. Um, but it's, uh, sorry. It should be called but, Velma. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's something that I will look into. But at the moment, um, I, I have a lady called um, Euler Kelly Publishing, who I literally send the Word document to. She would format it, get it set up, upload it to Amazon, um, put it into EMOBI form or whatever, EPUB. Um, and also um, my editor, Lynn Curtis, who is a professional editor. And again, one of the things that you have made me feel much better about is we all recognize that if we want to do this as a career, then we do have to invest. You know, you've got to invest to accumulate. You've got mm-hmm. to spend quite a lot of money up front. Yeah. Um, but hopefully in the long term, the rewards will come in. But um, if you're going to do it, do it right. And I think there's a number of those. Those are probably the primary things. Um, just while I, I can add this in, my daughter, um, who believes it or not, is probably more expensive than a normal social marketeer. <laughs> she tells me she does it for love, but she does all my social. She would plan my sort of my branding, ah. my website. I mean, my website also has a shop online, which nice. I promote more, more over Amazon because for obvious reasons, um, you know, you you don't have to pay royalties, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of things. But, you know, um, probably John, my husband, is probably the one thing that keeps me going the most. I love this answer. I, I tell you what, I can tell you're a beautiful person and I don't, I'm not, <laughs> not blowing smoke up anybody's ass um, because we asked you to name the service that you cannot do without and you named four people, your husband, yeah. your daughter, your formatter and your editor. There you go. It's the Irish in you. That's what it is. Oh, do you think that's what it is? <laughs> yes, that's, that's definitely what it is. Oh, uh, I mean, wow. I'm, I'm English okay. and I just don't like people. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stick to the numbers. Oh, oh, <laughs> we like you, Rob, too. You're a beautiful person, you. too. Oh, you know, stop. Rob, you know what? You're lovely. I like you. You're okay for an Englishman. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you in. You're in our gang. Isn't that right, yes. Well, I think we should read Jane's books before we should let Rob into the gang. We don't know what the Englishman is like in your books. Oh, no, no. That's the one thing. The thing is, I've, if, you know, if you look at the reviews, I am I am not biased in yes. any way. Believe me, I'm pretty even-handed. Nice. Yeah, you'd have to be for those books to be a success. Absolutely. Oh, yes. uh, well, given that I lived in London for over 30 years and England was very good to me, I have no qualms. Mm. Me too. Yeah, I love Britain, I have to say. Um, mm. My dad will roll over in his grave hearing me say that. But that's how it goes. <laughs> um, so you, you alluded to your daughter there towards the end of answer three. And I think uh, you may bring her back up here in question four, which is how do you market your books? I do what everyone does, um, you know, those sort of core elements, online, social media, online, yeah. primarily Facebook. Mm-hmm. And again, um, this is what Cassie, my daughter, does for a living. She's a professional Facebook, you know, social media. Digital guru, marketer. Made, yeah. 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 Digital marketer. Yeah. So and, 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 you know, it is a blessing and I know I am blessed by that. But, you know, we, we've learned um, through, as you guys say, test, test and test in terms of Facebook ads. We're not savvy with it yet, but it's something that's an ongoing process um, one of the things that I have do and enjoy most is actually face to face you know I, um, I've actually been very successful with Irish libraries Oh, nice. You know, I've, yeah, I mean, I've actually, there's um, Alan Hannah's in Dublin. I don't know if you know of them, Dave, yeah. but they, they provide books to, I mean, I've had some phenomenal orders from them, but I've approached libraries directly, um, contacting them. The orders then come through, um through Alan Hannah's and then as part of my marketing plan I love and you can imagine because I haven't shut up is getting out and talking to people and talking about the journey yeah. so I do quite a lot of um, events in li- in and around libraries hmm. which is great, great. Um, I also then approach a lot of the um, Irish festivals you know the book festivals and you know I've got I've got a couple of festivals coming up that I'm talking I was at Dingle last year great. and I'm talking at a number of festivals this year as well I mean we, we all know the 
sort of, as I say, the core marketing, you know, online and offline. And word of mouth, I, you know, I even, this will make you laugh. I mean, I even got little brochures, little sort of A5 tiny brochures that whenever I'm in a hotel, whenever I'm in a restaurant, I leave them behind. Oh, <laughs> really? <the> yes. <laughs> Just little things, you know. marketing, and, I love it. Oh, it's old-fashioned marketing, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, I saw, I've, you know, I've, I've, especially, you know, for example, with Derry City, you know, with with the travels, you know, we've got tourists coming in now to the city and, you know, there's a number of tour groups and things, you know, I've, I've sort of partnered with them that when people are being told about the history of the troubles, you know, the books are referred to them as well. So I'm forever thinking of wacky ways of marketing. And, you know, interestingly, and forgive me, but it is important. Um, there was one particular individual. Um, part of my story is about um, a project called Project Children, which um, to make a long short, was a couple of New York policemen decided to start a project where they brought kids, Catholic and Protestant, to America. One family would bring two kids and over 40 years they ended up bringing 23,000 kids to the States mm-hmm. to give them a six-week holiday and learn, you know, give them a taste of what life could be like. Mm. And I've actually met the daughter because I, you know, I contacted her directly. And again, this is all about networking. And I've been asked to write the biography for the gentleman that actually started it oh, wow. next year. Nice honour. You know, which is huge. What an honour. You know, so, I mean, he's a Nobel Peace Prize um, nominee twice. He lost to Mother Teresa and um, Nelson Mandela, you know, so things can That's just amazing, from, little, little, from little networking things and little just putting yourself out there and contact. You can't you've nothing to lose. Absolutely. No, nothing to the worst people can do is say no. Exactly. Plus that's enjoyable. Yeah. It's enjoyable as well doing things like that and it, it takes yeah, away from I mean, the isolation. Can I ask you a question, Jane, which is not part of the seven questions? <laughs> um just to go back on something you said that libraries. Um yes. could we could we book you on as a guest again to talk about libraries in more specific terms? Because it's something myself and Robert seem to have neglected in our careers. Absolutely. No, yeah, no problem at all. We'll do that. We'll do a main talking point on libraries and how to get your books into libraries. Excellent. Yeah. Um, And the thing is, the thing is, is we've now got you saying that verbally on the show, so people will be expecting that. So there's no backing out. So it's coming up. Okay, good. Good. Um, I better do some more homework. Well, that was brilliant. What a fantastic answer. Great answer. Some of the courageous, yeah, some of the courageous things you do and put yourself out there to do. Um, I obviously heard all of it. I think David probably stopped hearing it all when you said his catchphrase test 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 he was probably <laughs> celebrating um it, it just it gets into everyone's head and it stays there um that's me no, but, um so we'll move on to question question five uh jane is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset okay just one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you nothing happens fast yes no that's it. I said yes, you said no at the same time. But you're dead right, Jane. Yeah, nothing happens fast. It is a long term game, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I've worked since I was 16, and I think it's probably the most difficult job I've ever done. Yeah. Um, the writing, as we know, we all love the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're in that world or you're in that zone, but there's just a phenomenal amount as an indie author to do around that. So that's probably my frustration because having had a sales and marketing background, you know, I've always been targeted and whatever. And, you know, I want things to happen fast, but nothing happens fast. Yeah, absolutely. So question six is what's the biggest frustration for you as an indie author? Is it, is it pretty much the same answer? No, no, I would say, funny, I was listening to AP Bateman this morning, that podcast. Oh, I yeah. believe that there is still an awful stigma around being an indie author. Mm-hmm. And it really, really frustrates me. Um, for example, and I'll probably get into trouble for this. You might want to edit it out. <laughs> but, you know, I have approached the Belfast Book Festival numerous times about getting and, you know, talking, especially with the 25th anniversary, yeah, yes. um, the Good Friday anniversary. And I have had no response i think yeah you may want to edit this out guys and seriously because i think there is still a very cliche sort of attitude to someone when they hear that you're an indie author and yourself published you know it almost demeans what you do there definitely is around the festivals isn't there 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, died a day. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, and you know, and I've, and this is the one grace, you know, I've made some amazing new friends from, you know, from writing and it's been, it's been life changing. It really, really has. But you know, even for competitions, you know, for the novel fair, for example, the Irish Writing um, um, Centre, you know, you, if you've actually self published, you can't enter. There's very oh. few recognized. And, you know, some people say competitions don't matter but you know what it's good to have an accolade of you know being yeah. able to refer to although I did I did I was a finalist in the Indie Readers Awards in the States which is quite a huge oh, American wow. um, indie writers um, uh, competition I did get that but you know and maybe it's just at this stage in my life I'm probably quite traditional quite old fashioned I still have that feeling that you know I'd love to I'd love to have been traditionally published but having learned what I've learned over especially over the last year or two no no, yeah. no more I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and enjoy and I am a control freak guys and whether you like it or not you both are as well yeah absolutely <laughs> an awesome answer absolutely great answer <laughs> And 100% accurate. We are yes, complete control, we are freaks, control freaks. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Absolutely wouldn't change it. No. Um, no. But absolutely agree with you. The, stig- the stigma is still there. Um, it's something we actually spoke about in the in the main talking point today. Um, yeah. Was that, that, you know, that stigma still exists. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, we were talking about pricing our books and, and you know, if, yeah. you, if you price yourself out and you don't treat yourself like a proper author, people won't, won't see you as one. So it's no. absolutely, it's a huge frustration. And it's yeah. a shame. It's one that's. It is yeah. a shame. It's not going but anywhere. It will change. It will change. It has to change. Yeah, yeah, it's slowly changing, but way too slowly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jane, we've been on a bit of an experience today with uh, <laughs> getting, getting, getting you on here from all the way from your holiday. So we're here at the final question. Um, your answers have been fascinating, um, but I would like you to give us just what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? believe in your product Mm. or your books or your writing if you don't believe in what you're doing don't bother (laughs) simple as that you know because (laughs) you know you've just got to really truly truly believe in what you're doing life is too short go find something else you know but you've got to believe in what you do I love that straight talking Jane Buckley thank you so (laughs) so much we are so indebted to you for taking time out of your holiday to spend with the two well don't forget I look forward to talking I look forward to talking to you about the libraries yes Yes. I will drop you an email when are you home from your holiday Oh, um, next week. Next week. I'll drop you uh, one towards, towards yeah, the end no of next hurt. week and you can get back to me in your own time, Jane, about well, that. Well, guys, it's been great fun and that's what it's all about is having fun too, isn't it? It is Absolutely. indeed. Yeah, you're certainly doing that and you are a beautiful human being, as we mentioned oh. from question three. Thank you so, so much for joining us from your holiday today. Okay. Take care, each other. Two so, David, that's six months of seven questions 26 authors have faced those seven questions and again wasn't jane just another fascinating guest to have on yeah so lovely jane thanks so much for um for doing that with us this morning yeah very interesting books a very interesting author and as always fantastic answers to these seven Mm -hmm. questions rob yeah 100 percent. i absolutely love that section it's great and we've already waxed lyrical about the things we've learned via these seven questions and there's undoubtedly going to be more we're going to learn going forward so here's yeah. to another 26 here to another 26 authors. yeah bring us to the full year i mean we keep praising the authors but really it's me and you that come up with the questions so we're the geniuses exactly the brains behind the... this operation <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah again if, if anyone wants to jump on and face the seven questions david how can they do that the best way or the quickest way to do that is go onto our Facebook page. It's the Two Indie Authors podcast. Robert has a post pinned to the top of our Facebook group there, and you can just fill in your details. It, I think it will take you less than 60 seconds. Fill in your details, and we will be in touch. Fantastic. And David, what are you going to be up to over the next seven days? I My novella is due with the editor next friday so i've got one more one more week of um redrafting and what else have i got to do then i have something else to do that i can't quite recall 
Um, oh, I'm working on some scripts. I'm working on some scripts because I've got this meeting in May. Um, so I'm putting that together. Uh, but really, it, my main focus is, is getting this book up, which is for sale on May 3rd. Nice. What about you over the next seven days, buddy? Um, I should be getting my edits back for Sam Pope 11. Yes. They are due in, so I'll have to blitz through them, um, get my proofreader in, do all that stuff, uh, all the launching stuff, get that ready to go, and hopefully get a little bit of writing in at the same time. Yeah. Um, Why not? Yeah, you are a writer. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we that's do. What we do. But as well as what we do, back in Boston again, <laughs> what we do. Anyway, um, on that note, I will see you later, David. And bye-bye to all of our listeners. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.